welcome back, everybody. This is Nate Johnstone, and this is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast with Paul Anderson, starring Paul Anderson. Starring? Wow. (laughs) I don't know about that. I like to be here, but I feel like I'm playing supporting role to Nate Johnstone, the leader of this outfit. And uh, we're about four feet away from each other with mics and enjoying ourselves tonight or today or whatever whatever it is for people who are listening yeah it is fun we we really like talking about marriage it's it's you talk about bringing topics home i mean (laughs) doesn't get more home than marriage And, and most of our listeners are probably married just statistically speaking and, it's and if important. they aren't, they probably know somebody who is. Oh, I can guarantee you they do. <laughs> and so this it's an it's a it's a really, really important topic. I mean, just so completely important. And no matter what kind of a marriage we have, we can always have a better one. Isn't that good to know? It is. And it's encouraging. Yes. And I'll say at the age of seventy five, I can honestly say that our marriage is getting better. How cool. Yeah. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I heard anybody say that was at your in-laws, Phil and Margaret's 50th. So their 50th wedding anniversary, I had just started dating, but wasn't quite engaged Mm -hmm. to a lovely young girl named Sarah. And she took me to this family reunion (laughs) full of crazy people. Yes. And it was weird. She got upset at me after the first night because... She was like, you're not acting like yourself. What's going on? I want everybody to get to know you. And I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? She's like, you're hardly saying anything. You're like just kind of sitting there. And I'm like, you put me in a house full of crazy people. Like, what do you want me to do? And then she started laughing. And she's like, yeah, there's, we, we are pretty crazy. Mm. I, there's a lot of big personalities in this family, yes. you know. Yes. So and I, I was just sort of getting acclimated. A little bit of deer in the headlights action sure. at first. Plus, I mean, I was in the presence of spiritual giants because th- th- that is not my family. Your mm-hmm. family is not my family. Mm-hmm. My parents are first-generation Christians. Yes. Um, so just a very different experience. And when I heard Phil and Margaret at their 50th anniversary service, because it really was a church service, mm-hmm. say that after 50 years, their marriage has never been better than it is now. And that they expect that after 60 years it would be better. And they expect that after 75 it would be even better. And I I had never heard someone say that before. Mm -hmm. It's more like, how did you survive 50 years? You know, I just gave up on all my dreams. (laughs) You know, and and like, so to see an example Mm -hmm. of Phil and Margaret, that, that example of this, it can work and it can be beautiful and it can continue to be beautiful and become more beautiful and more beautiful every year. And as you know, I've never seen it 94 and 95. And now they just had their 70th and, and they sit together and mm-hmm. she admires him and they hug and kiss and embrace and love each other. They're and the most adorable when they're people away, in the world. Margaret says, where's Phil? Yeah. When is he coming back? Yeah. Yeah, he was just away for like four days and she barely made it. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's, that gave me a lot of hope mm-hmm. because I was like, whoa, I knew that I wanted that to exist, I should mm-hmm. say. I didn't know it did because I didn't ever really see it, mm-hmm. but I wanted it to be a real thing. I wanted it to exist. 
And then when I saw that it really did from people I respected, because I had known them for a couple of years at that point, I was like, wow. And, you know, like I told, I told Sarah, like that weekend, we weren't even engaged yet, you know. Mm. But we got hit by a Cupid arrow really hard. So we went from mm. being really good friends to planning our wedding within a week. Wow. Very unusual. But I was like, I want to be them. Mm-hmm. I want to be them. I want our kids to be that generation that is so close to each other and loves each other so much. Like, I want to be this family. And she's like, good, because that's what I want to do too. <laughs> and I'm glad you're on board for my crazy family. Um, but it was a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. Still is a wonderful thing to see. And I, and I do want to be that. I would love to be a couple that inspires other people. And because Sarah and I got married young, we knew right away that we had a certain responsibility. We were going to be the first married friends most of our friends would have. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we have to be an example. We're ambassadors for mar- for godly marriage. We need to be mm-hmm. good examples. And I wish I had understood more at that time that that meant talking about the fact that it was hard. Mm-hmm. It took us a few years to get that one down. Once our friends started getting married, then we made a point to talk about how hard marriage was around them intentionally. Good. Um, and they would always look at each other and be like, oh, we thought we were the only ones who were having problems. Yeah. Like people thought, they actually thought that they were bad Christians or a bad wife or a bad husband because they were struggling. And I'm like, everyone struggles. Marriage is struggle because life is struggle. You know, that reminds me of coming back from uh, being away. And that night we had a talk on marriage for the couples, just for the couples, communitas mm-hmm. for the couples. And I came back and they were down here in the basement and they were coming up and they had smiles on their faces. They were, it was like they had this wonderful uh, time together. And I said, wow, you guys had a good time. I can tell, I can see it on your faces. And you know what they said? They said, yes, it was a wonderful time. We heard that it was tougher than, uh, what, how'd they say it? That, that, that it, it, it's tough being married. And we all got encouraged by that. That's what helped them. <laughs> That's what they were excited about, that yeah. they weren't alone in the fact that we're, they were having some real tough go. Yeah. And so they were very happy about it. That's good. And it, see, I, I agree because it's not talked about enough. It's not talked not about enough. enough in the church among among ourselves that this is hard and it takes a struggle and it takes a, yes. lot, a lot of intentionality and a lot of work and a lot of dying to yourself. And I wish I'd heard it and understood it mm-hmm. because I would have been a better mate for the first 20, 25 years of our marriage if I had understood the fact. I like to tell people come to faith in Christ. It's going to be harder than you think it is. Jesus promised it's going to be hard. Paul said it'd be hard. Peter said it'd be hard. Where do we get this idea? It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be easy. It's going to be great. You're going to get your own way. No, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross. He didn't warn us. He warned us. He didn't uh, come with perks. And so it's the same way with marriage. If we tell people it's going to be hard, it just got easier. I agree. I, I was once told that I give the worst altar calls of any pastor they had ever seen. Because when I give an altar call, whether it's for faith or for recommitment or whatever it is, I tell them that. I say, you are signing up for suffering. 
You are signing up for sacrifice. You are signing up for giving up your own life to follow Jesus instead. Well, Nate, you and, preach and that. And they're like, you give the worst altar calls <laughs> I have ever heard. And I laughed. I thought it was awesome. That's a great compliment, I think, <laughs> yeah. because last week you were inspired when you went over to that whiteboard and you were talking about the difficulties that we can expect. I was, I was cheering you on quietly because I, I, of course, agreed with everything you were saying and you were on a roll. I, I was proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll probably do that on the podcast at some point in the future. But Yeah, I think that'd be a good one. I think it's important stuff. But so we're, And there's a lot of suffering in marriage. Yes, <laughs> there's there a lot is. of difficulty in marriage. And if we, if we don't talk about it and expect it, then it becomes like a secret that then we're afraid of, which is not good. Mm. Um, I was talking about books last week that have been helpful, and I mentioned The Bait of Satan by John Bevere that's been helpful in terms of offense, living above offense, which is mm-hmm. so important in marriage. Another one that's been really helpful to me, um, and we touched on it just at the end last time, but we didn't name the book, which was The Five Love Languages. Mm. It's by Gary Chapman, I believe. Um, it's old book. It came out in like the 90s. It's old, but it is. I've read ma- probably three dozen books on marriage and relationships, and I'd say that this is the most important one. I don't know if I'd use the word best because – there's so many different ways to judge what a, the sure. best would be. But the, I think the most important, like if you can only read one, read this one. And it talks about, it It, it boils it into five categories, which that could be argued. but And it talks about the things that people value the most. And it turns out everyone values things differently and they value different things. Mm-hmm. And so it talks about, let's see if I can get them all. Um, quality time is one. Um, words of affirmation is one. Um, gifts is one. And I might need some help here from service. The, service. That's right. That's right. And oh, physical touch. That's mine. I should know that one. Um, <laughs> and so, and everybody has one that they kind of major in, and usually one that's right below that. Not that we all don't like all of five of those things. Everyone loves words of encouragement, even if that's not your big thing. You love to be encouraged. We, we, you know, not everybody loves to be touched, I suppose, but uh, most of us love most of them, right? Um, but we would order them, and most of us major in one. And it's such a wonderful book because I think it's very right, mm-hmm. at least for American culture. I can't comment on others, and I, I, I suspect it would be different, perhaps, in other cultures. That's, I hate it when I give myself ideas because then I get distracted. I want to, I want to. <laughs> Yeah, uh, study that now. That. Okay, uh, forget that. Um, in our in American culture, uh, at least as it is now, I think it's very, very true, and it really helps you in life to understand what your love languages are, and to understand the love languages of your spouse mm-hmm. and your kids. Mm. Because when you understand what really motivates them, what do they really love and want and and, and appreciate and value. It really helps you in your relationship with your spouse, and it really helps you in parenting. And all kids are different. And so, like, just for an example, at the end of the school year last year, we were telling the kids, like, if you do really well and finish out the year well and hit the tape on the run, which is a phrase I always stole from you, um, you can get a prize. So what do you want your prize to be? And Andrew's like, I want this thing. He wanted a a specific thing. He's a thing guy, right? So gifts. Um, Kaylee... (laughs) my middle child said, 
I want to date with just you and not the other kids, just mommy and daddy time, just me. Cool. And I'm like, wow. Like, cause that wouldn't strike me to even ask for, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't want the toy. Like Bella wanted something. Andrew wanted something. Kaylee just wanted time with us. And that was her special prize. Mm-hmm. It was that special time, Neat. special mommy, daddy time. And so her love language is clearly um, time, mm-hmm. right? Quality time. That's mm-hmm. what she values more than other stuff. And I, I had already known that about her. I mean, and with kids, these things develop over time. You can't always guess right away. Because if I had guessed when they were three, uh, that would be very different than what they were now. Mm-hmm. And so, so these things do change over time. But um, so I've, I've known she was a quality time person, but I, it didn't strike me as hard as it did at that moment. And so now in my parenting of her, I'm thinking about what does she need? Is she acting out? If she's acting out, maybe it's because she's not getting what she feels like she needs, which is quality time. And so I need to spend some more time. With wow. Um, so it really helps with parenting, Good but it you. really helps with your marriage, too. Mm-hmm. Because when you realize that your spouse is someone who loves physical touch and needs that, then that's something that you can do. Anybody can do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're with them in public, you put your arm around them or you hold their hand or you slowly rub their back or whatever it is they like, you know? And you do that. You do that in public. You do that in private. They, like, obviously, physical intimacy as well, but um, physical touch isn't so much about sex. It's, it's about the rest of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that you can do, but you need to know that because some people are more touchy-feely than others, Mm-hmm. And if you're not that way, then you might not think to be that way for someone else. If you're not into getting gifts, if someone giving you a gift is like, oh, cool, but whatever, then you're not going to automatically think, I want to give gifts to my wife all the time or to my husband all the time. But yet that might be their love language. Mm-hmm. And chances are you and your spouse are different. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's oh, odds are pretty good. Very, very. Uh, my wife and I are different, for mm-hmm. sure. Very, like, totally different. And that was one of the surprises. Yeah. Because we were so similar in personality, mm-hmm. but our love languages are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. And, um, like, I was telling someone the other day, this is kind of totally random, but I was telling someone the other day that your love language is service, or at least one of them. You got it. You nailed it. And so, because so, somebody was saying, oh, I, I wanted to help Paul with this or blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, Paul's love language is service. So if you did this, it would, he would really appreciate it. It would really mean something to him. And they were like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. So it was just a great reminder. Because like everybody loves people to do stuff for them. Mm-hmm. But like with you, if you put in work to help Paul out, mm-hmm. Paul's yours for <laughs> life. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's okay that's interesting i didn't i didn't know that that would be so obvious but well i mean it's obvious to me but i spend a lot of time with you and have for a long time but it's 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 obvious in the in how you talk about other people Mm -hmm. oh so and so was here and they did so much work for me and it was wonderful Mm -hmm. you never mentioned the japanese lady who gave you a present (laughs) when she showed up at your house you know you never mentioned the guy who hugs you every time he sees you like because it, it, it doesn't matter to you. You wouldn't, just wouldn't mention it. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned the people who do things to help you, who sacrifice their time mm-hmm. to help you with something that is for you yeah, that you're, you're blesses right. you and means something to you. And my dad's the same. Mm. Spend time. For him, I'd say time and, and money both. Um, but time and money are sort of inter, interconnected, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, 
Whereas, I'm not going to try to guess Karen's, but last time you mentioned how you like to spoil her mm-hmm. and date her. And I'm going to guess that is in line with her love language or languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so say something about that again, because I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and I don't know how it came. I remember someone else saying it, that God told them to spoil their wife, and it came to me, and it went right into my heart. Hmm. And I knew that God was speaking that to me, and that I was to do that. Doing it at first, when I spoiled her, I sometimes took offense. Hmm. And I'm not. What do you mean by that? Well, I'd go to a nice place and I'd spend more than I wanted to spend. Hmm. And so I'd go away and I would. Can't, can't we go to Denny's <laughs> on our day? <laughs> then I, then I, I lost, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't in it. And so I don't think I got credit for those times. Uh, but I came to the place where I could live above a fence a little better. And so I truly would spoil her, hmm. and I don't so, think so. I'll the, mon- the money issue wasn't painful for you anymore. No, that wasn't. And I did see the dividends, the hmm. returns. Was and it I don't an know investment? that that's, that's right for everybody. I think everybody has to. Yeah. You know, you got to hear yep. your word from God, but I believe He said that to me, and uh, we're not. Uh, a family that is ex- extravagant, you know, and the things that we buy. But yeah. I feel like God put that But on you are us extravagant with Karen. In that way, yes. That's interesting. Because as we, uh, I, it's, not, it's not easy to offend you, so I'm not concerned about offending you right now. But in right. this basement, we are, everything in here, you were either given or got really cheap, right? Right. Is there a single thing in here that you were not given? Maybe some of the audio equipment, these chairs, the couches, the pool table. Uh, I think just about everything here you were given for free. Or I, or I got a real good deal. Or you got a real good like deal. Like the pool table. Like a real, real good deal. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't spend a lot of money on stuff. Mm-hmm, that's right. That's very, very, right. That's very, very, right. very little money. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're cheap. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you're frugal. <laughs> and I'm saying that... Spending a lot of money on stuff is not a value that you have. And so you're not interested in doing it. And yet you do spoil your wife. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you you spend more in one date night than you have on clothes in the last five years. Yeah. And you, every time I have been on an international trip with you, you bought Karen a gift. Mm-hmm. And at least once it was pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I better buy Sarah something. (laughs) Um, And so that, I mean, I like that both because that shows that you know your wife, but it also shows that you are willing to do something that does not come naturally for you. It is definitely not natural. And yet you do it and you have learned not, because I could see, like, I I, I would have a hard time with that too. It's like, oh man, ouch. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do we really need to go here? Can't we make our own dinner? Can we, you know? But yeah. So with Karen, it sounds like maybe it's like g- gifts plus um, 
quality time, maybe a, a combo or something. Yes, and words, words yeah. are, are very helpful. And with Sarah, we, we, we tried to date. Before we had kids, it was a lot easier. But um, but we had no money. I mean, we had like a $5,000 family income <laughs> the first several years of our marriage because we were students, you know. Um, so our, our date nights seldom involved a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did involve quality time, and that's what she cared about. Because mm-hmm. at least Sarah, and I know this is true with a lot of missionary kids, but for her, spending money was very difficult. And so I would take, I took her to a nice, what I considered fancy at the time restaurant. Um, and she was super insecure and, and, and it, she did not have a fun time mm. because it was like, this is so much money. And am I enjoying it enough to be worth this much money? And, uh, you know, cause that, that was her mentality growing up as a missionary kid with third hand, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, she still shops at Goodwill. She's a physician, a surgeon. Okay, folks. And she goes to Goodwill only when she has a coupon. That is not a joke. She goes on, I think it's Tuesdays where it's already cheaper or whatever day it is. Plus she has a coupon. So she brings a bag and if you give a bag to Goodwill, they give you a 50% off coupon. That's the only time she buys anything there. She grew up as a missionary wow. kid. That's how you get clothes. That's wow. how you get toys. That's how you get stuff. Um, and it's a gift to me because I really value giving money to God and to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to do that when your wife is very happy to buy secondhand clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we, we don't, we don't, we've never argued when every year God has said, give more next year, give more next year, give more next year. Mm-hmm. That could cause a problem in a marriage. If at some point God's like, if your spouse is like, well, God hasn't told me that. So I think let's call it good. Sure. And who are you trying to pr- impress anyway? let's let's relax here and she's she's always supported it because yeah plus i do i do the the checkbook so she doesn't know how much i'm necessarily giving away um when she sees it all at once that it's a little scary but um but yes understanding your spouse understanding yourself it's so good yeah and you have i mean to to be able to really love your wife well and spoil her well when it's way outside your comfort zone and your personality type, that, that, is, that is winning at being a husband mm-hmm. or a wife. And that's what I would love all of us to get to that place. What is it that they really need? For, for, for Sarah, it's more quality time. And if, if she doesn't have a ton of time between work and kids and everything, and so I try to my best, it doesn't always work, but I try my best to not do what we're doing tonight and me leave right after she gets home. Mm-hmm. I try to do that as little as possible. Mm-hmm. And when she is home, I am there and I am hers and I'm not doing other stuff. So she hates my phone when I take out my phone and I'm answering a text or something like that. That, that really bothers her yeah. because we're, we're having quality time now. But for me, it's always been a sacrifice because I'm like... All right, because she's home and doesn't have to work tomorrow, we can stay up later. So now I have to spend the next three hours with my wife. That sounded terrible when I said it out loud, and I didn't mean it that way. I have to spend the next three hours with my wife. Ah, hopefully she won't listen to this. What I meant by that is um, sometimes in my life I have felt a little bit trapped by that. But it trapped because I've made the decision to spend that time with her, yes. but it isn't always easy. That's my point. Yes. My point is that in order to do this, you do have to get up on your cross because I have to sacrifice that time 
I have to sacrifice what I would prefer to do at that moment in order to spend that quality time with her. And I've seen my other friends, um, my other couple friends who are happy married couples, and when they're both together, they're doing something different. One of them's reading a book and the other one's watching TV. One of them's doing one thing and the other one's doing something else. So they don't have to always be together, always doing the same thing. And I'm like, how do you have all these hobbies when you're married and have kids? How do you, how does that work? And they're like, well, I, I, you know, two days a week I do this when I'm with my wife while she does that. And I'm like, really? Whenever we're together, we're only doing stuff together. And then I would get a little, what, what was the word you, you used? Offended? Yes. Resentful mm-hmm. maybe would be a word. But I would allow my stuff to start being like, but why can't I do this or that? And I had to get up on my cross. And then I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that no one should have hobbies or do anything like that that they want to do. But for my wife, the, the way to spoil her is that this evening is yours. Mm. You have off and the evening is yours. What do you want to do? I'll do it with you. And that's how I spoil her. And um, which is also for her, it's also travel, vacations and travel, because that's ultimate quality time. That's quality time while on an adventure. Yeah. Which for my wife is the ultimate. So going on vacation with my wife is the ultimate quality time. And I don't bring hobbies with usually Mm -hmm. because I spend the time with her and that because that's her love language. And I've learned to do that. And now I don't usually resent it. Once in a while it'll come up and I'll be like, okay, no, no, no. We're putting that aside. That resentment sneaks in, doesn't it? It does. It tries to dig in there. Even when you've dealt with it and it's all good, every once in a while it just sort of surprises you. Usually I find that that kind of, that kind of stuff surprises me when I'm already under pressure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I've got 20 things on my to-do list tonight and I know I'm not going to get to it till starting at 10 PM. And so now I'm tempted to resent the next two hours sitting here doing whatever we're doing mm-hmm. when I want to get at my stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's when it's hard for me. Sure. But I've learned, like you did, that it's an investment. And that the more my, I invest in my wife, the better my marriage is. So it, it's sort of self-serving from that point of view because I, mm-hmm. I do see the results. Mm-hmm. Happy wife, happy, happy life, right? Yes. That's what they say. Yes. And so I think, I think that if you can find out what's, their, what's your spouse's love language, how can you invest in them? It, it, it applies to kids too, but we're talking mostly about marriage here. So how can you invest in them? And then obviously you can talk about it and say, and here's my love language too. You know, read the book together. That would be ideal. But if your spouse isn't that interested in learning about this, that's okay. It's still your job to love them. It's still your job to get on your cross and deny yourself for your spouse, even if your spouse isn't reciprocating it. Mm-hmm. It's okay to express your needs. I'm not saying hide. I'm not saying be a doormat. Express your needs, but love them how they really want to be loved. Even regardless. If, regardless. Even, yeah. if, even if you're not getting it back. Yeah. Because I've talked to a lot of couples who are like, well, I'm not going to because they're not. Ooh. And uh, that's not, not, that's not the godly way to do no. it at all. Um, I've also seen that the more you love them the way they want to be loved, the more appreciative they tend to eventually be. I've seen very hard hearts get, get thawed yep. by selfless love. Mm-hmm. I, I really have. I can't tell the stories because they're real people. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's an amazing thing. So, yeah, give that some thought and prayer um, about learning how to do that. And ask the Holy Spirit. I'll just do that right now. Father God, thank you that you've given us our wonderful spouse. And I ask you 
that you would show us, that you show me how I can love my spouse better. Mm-hmm. Give me some general ideas, whether it's their love language or just how they like to be treated, dealt with, spoke to, um, how they like to have time spent with them. Give, a, give us some specific ideas, too, about things that we could do that would really touch them, bless them, out of, out of the ordinary, out of the blue, out of the blue flowers, out of the blue restaurant night, out of the blue, we got a babysitter and we're just going to have a Netflix and chill night, uh, out of the blue, whatever. Give us, give us some, some ideas on how to really love our spouse and help us to, do, be, to be will, more willing to do that sacrificially. Because sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it does take a sacrifice. Sometimes it's something that we would never choose to do, <laughs> or an amount of money we would never choose to spend, or something like that. Um, and so, Lord, help us to help us to see that and to follow, and to be the kind of spouse that Christ is for the church, who is willing to die for her. Mm. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless. (laughs) 